everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity rewatch podcast, so we'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk all about it. Just a quick reminder, though, uh, as always, we are not a spoiler-free podcast, so there may be things that we mention in this episode, in this podcast episode, that didn't happen just in this episode of Felicity, and there, and especially in this one, there may be some hints to the future. So just be aware of that, but still a fun podcast to listen to. So think about how you want to proceed before you move forward. Anyway, I'm Melissa and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I usually love the Halloween episodes of any show. And so I went into this one really excited about watching a Halloween episode and I had forgotten everything that happened in it. It was kind of a tough one for me. Oh, well, we're going to get into it. So this one was season one, episode five, entitled Spooked, as Fish mentioned, the Halloween episode for this year. The original air date was October 27th, 1998. This episode was written by Jennifer Levin and directed by Joan Tewksbury. And the description is, after Ben and Felicity are held up, He seems especially spooked and calls on her for late night chats, one of which includes an invitation to a Halloween party. So lots to talk about in this episode. Like every other episode, uh, we'll we'll find a lot of things to say. Fish, maybe you want to start with this one. I wanted to start with just the word triggered. Because we hear it a lot nowadays. And, you know, sometimes I think it's used correctly. And sometimes I think that it's used in a way that doesn't fit with its actual definition. So I just wanted to start with its mental health definition. It's something that affects your emotional state often significantly by causing extreme overwhelm or distress. And it goes on to say that a trigger affects your ability to remain in the present. It may bring up specific thought patterns or influence your behavior. And I felt like a lot of this episode went through different characters that were triggered by different events. The main one, of course, being Ben, Mm -hmm. who is very triggered by this robbery. And I think that it is fairly obvious that Felicity is not. So they are dealing with this event in very different ways. We don't get to hear really why Ben is triggered by this until later in the episode, but you can see it even early on in his reactions that he really just wants to be done on the day of. He says, go ahead back to the dorm, and we see him walking away from even the idea of finding the people who did it. He's really pulling back into himself and he's not reaching out to other people. He doesn't want to deal with it. And Felicity does not understand this. And she's going about it in what I think is a very healthy way. Yes, you can just see from her face after it occurs, she is shocked, but she is continuing in the present. She is liking Ben's attention, and she's talking to her friends, and she's pretty much dealing with it. But mm-hmm. it's also the first time that something like this has happened to her. 
So before I get a little more into it, kind of wanted to get your thoughts about it. Yeah, I think that's an important place to start. And I'm glad you started with the mental health component. Obviously, Ben and Felicity experienced the same event. But I think a lot of times when we're dealing with things, whether it be trauma or grief or anything, people can deal with those with the same event in a different way. And part of a relationship between those people is figuring out how how to uh, find some sort of a way to cope with each other's coping mechanisms. And, you know, in this case, Felicity and Ben, their relationship is growing in some way. It's a growing friendship. You know, before they walk into Ben's apartment, they're having what feels to me like one of the most normal conversations they've had. You know, they're they're at a level that's sustainable. And then this event happens and it's this trauma and Ben is deeply internalizing it. And Felicity can see that. I don't think she knows quite how to help him help go through that or how, or if she should. And so you see, you know, in certain scenes that she's kind of inviting him to share more, but also, you know, trying to figure out where she needs to back off. And she doesn't really know where that line is, but she can see Ben's really struggling with something here. And one of the things that I like about what they did with all of the Ben scenes in this episode is like I think I said for his acting class I really believe the way they're able to have him articulate what he's feeling and his his lack of words around it he knows that he's hurting he doesn't really know how to express it and he doesn't necessarily have labels to use and language to use to describe it and I believe that's where he is in this episode he just knows that he's really He's really struggling and that he's really pulling back. And what, you know, one of the things that you see right after the robbery, Felicity is whole, like all of our friends are in her room. I don't even know how they heard about it to be able to collect in her room, but you can see all these people forming around Felicity and Ben doesn't really have that. That first scene we get with him, with his roommates, we get introduced to Sean and Sean almost is blaming Ben, you know, Sean is kind of like, you couldn't do anything to get my idea book back. <laughs> He's Ben's like, dude, I've got so many other things on my plate right now. But that's such a difference to me in this level of support that they have around them. You know, being triggered is certainly a big one for this episode. Yeah, I will say that Ben actually, I think he articulates it very well towards the end of the episode but not when it first happens. When he's actually trying to explain to Felicity when they're sitting in the cafe together why he's reacting the way he is. He says that he never felt safe as a child, mm -hmm. that his father was a ticking time bomb, and that he actually moved to New York to feel safe. And so, it makes sense that he's gone back in time. I feel like he has regressed and he is trying to distract himself with many of the things that he's doing with Felicity at night when he is particularly afraid. There is, I think, a sense of helplessness that he had, probably connects back to his childhood. We see it when they're being robbed and the robber grabs Felicity's necklace and Ben tries to stop them, but just absolutely has no ability to do so. I think Felicity does see that he is struggling. 
but she really is not capable of understanding how deep this goes with him. She does have reactions on her own part where she yells at him and cuts him off. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that from her perspective later, but from his, these are not helpful things. You mentioned in another podcast, the acting one, where they were able to show how alone Ben was. And there was this heartbreaking scene where he's on a bench alone, just hunched over, and his body language is cutting himself off so much from everyone else. And I feel like that's the place he went to first, being alone you know, feeling, trying to feel safe in his own way. And the other thing that I think happens with him, and I think this happens both with men and women, but particularly with men uh, around episodes like this, is that he does have this deep feeling of shame, which is certainly not helped by Sean blaming him or asking him, why couldn't you do something? And there's a, a wonderful woman named Brene Brown who talks a lot about shame versus guilt. And she says that shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So it's this thought that something occurs and you internalize it and think that you're a bad person versus guilt which is recognizing that it's external and saying, I did a bad thing, so I can apologize for that and move on. It's not that I am a bad person. And I think Ben goes into a shame spiral here and really pulls himself inward. And I think it's pretty impressive that he is able to move that into a place of guilt around his dealing with Felicity and what he actually did that wasn't related to the robbery, but how he was treating her afterward. But he decides that he wants to be with people. So he ends up sharing information with Felicity. He is trying to turn to her for help, and she just is not capable of helping him. And so it does create tension and it creates pain for both of them. But I feel like he regains some of his agency by giving her a necklace. It was this helpless moment he had when he couldn't get her grandmother's necklace from the robbers, but he was able to go out and buy one. And it's really important that he remembers that he's not a child in this moment. The situation has changed. And that is, I think, a big turning point for a lot of people who deal with childhood trauma, and they have to realize that they're not in the same position. Unfortunately, Noel doesn't understand either, and he basically has to beg Noel and Felicity for a chance to explain. But he accepts who he is, and he says this to Felicity, this is just part of who I am. and He's then able to apologize, to regain some agency, and to move on. I do want to talk a little bit about some of his coping mechanisms, but also want to want to give you a chance to jump in. Yeah, I really like the story that they're telling. 
and how they told it, at least with Ben and Felicity in this episode. I think it is complicated because they're both doing the best they can. And they both have really limited tools to do the best possible, but it's the best they can do. And they're trying to figure it out, right? I mean, I think Ben's just coping the way he can cope. He's not trying to hurt anybody, but he's going really internal. But he's also trying to reach out to Felicity. But he also doesn't know where that's coming from exactly. And he's sort of making it sound to her like, oh, I'm here for you. But it's it's really about him. He's trying to reach out while feeling really internal. And there's a struggle there that you're going to have if that's where you're at. Felicity, you know, she's dealt with this same trauma, but it didn't affect her in quite the same way. I think that rather than her going internal, she's more looking at Ben and sort of trying to figure out what's happening with him. And she's getting these glimpses of hope that he's making a connection with her. And in some ways, it's bringing her back to some of the wishes she had before. You know, you look at that beautifully shot scene where it's just the two of them in silhouette up against the window talking all night. And you know how much that meant to her. That was her that was her wish for the party way back when coming true. They're talking all night. You know, this was something she had hoped for, but this isn't the circumstance that she wanted to get there. She's feeling more connected to him. And then she sees him pulling away and he's doing things that really feel to her like beyond being flaky, he, he seems to be taking agency by ditching her in these situations. And she doesn't want to be left like that. And so it's interesting to me because, you know, how she handled it, I guess, is something I'd actually, I'm going to throw this out. I'd like to hear from listeners what you think about how Felicity was handling it. I do think that she was doing the best she could. She she was trying to give him the space and the opportunity to come and talk to her. But there came a point when he was crossing her boundaries of like, I don't want you toying with me in the process of you coping. And so she has a confrontation with her, which I think was a really important thing for her to do for herself. She needed to be able to recognize that Ben was doing something that was hurting her and to tell tell him that. And to his credit, Ben sits with that and he really ponders it. And he realizes, I don't want to be this guy to her. I want to find another way to manage what I'm feeling about this. And he takes steps forward to meet her more than halfway, really. He makes his apologies the best he can, knowing that he still has a lot to cope with on his own, but that he's trying to repair where he's at with her. So I think there was a lot of interesting stuff for me in how both of them chose to handle this in this episode. I see them trying to make good decisions, and it's just so hard. They just don't have what they need to own those decisions yet, but they're doing what they can do. Yeah. I do think that Ben, given that this all happens in one episode, he does have some of those coping mechanisms in place and he's fairly quickly able to get to a place where he is back and integrating himself into his life and into his relationships. Things like that can take years and years and years. But I think this whole thing is complicated by the fact that we have to remember Felicity has her own trauma and I think she is triggered as well. She's triggered by Ben's actions. So he's beginning to have these conversations and then he pulls away and she gets really angry and she confronts him 
And I agree, she does something that is very healthy, which is she sets boundaries. What she's doing from her perspective to deal with her own emotional health, and it's actually a very healthy way to go about it. Unfortunately, first she gets drunk and she starts, mm. you know, feeling lost and she does regress a bit herself by confiding in Noel, which is a very safe place. And then, you know, there's so much confusion in this episode because Noel starts talking to her about how she's going to be okay. And he thinks it's about the mugging. But the way that I was seeing it is she's being triggered by Ben's actions. And it's not a, about the mugging. And he's still able to be helpful because I think she just sort of ignores the first part of what he says <laughs> and takes the part where he says she's beautiful and strong and and everything's going to be okay. And so is helpful. And she also has her epiphany of Ben is just a guy. And she has to let it go. And this is something, Melissa, that you've been talking about for a few episodes, sort of the de-fantasizing of Ben and the recognition that he is a person. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure she's all the way there yet. Uh, I, I'm aware of a, an episode coming up where I'm like, oh, I don't know if she's fully learned the lesson, but I think this was a really important step. And it's not always linear, these paths. <laughs> we take. Sometimes we know the end point we need to get to and we make a lot of progress. And then sometimes we take a step back. I think in this episode, it was a step forward in terms of her and Ben. I think the, the stuff with her and Noel was also interesting to me because Noel, he's very separate from her in this episode for so much of it. And we have to remember that we're coming off of this this kiss that she had with Noel and him revealing to her that he has a girlfriend. And so they're probably in a murky place of their own where she's accepted the apology that he had given her. But where do they go from there exactly? And I think we start this episode and that's the place that they're still in because we don't have a reason to think that they've developed from that point. So you see a lot of Noel realizing even around the robbery, like Felicity wants a little space from him and he's trying to give her that, you know, she goes off for a walk at night, you know, maybe by herself, maybe not by herself. And he asks if she'll be okay. And then he lets her do it and he doesn't fight too hard on it. You know, so I think he's kind of giving her a little bit of that space, but then they do have this conversation while she's wildly drunk and oh my goodness, what a, what a mess that was. <laughs> but you know, I think most of what we see with Noel in this episode is with Elena because he's giving himself a little space from Felicity where he can do it. And so one of the interesting things about the way this episode is written is, is that it deals with some very heavy stuff, but it also has some of the comedic through line that we are accustomed to seeing in Felicity episodes. And they get there by allowing other characters to do that. So I think the Noel and Elena dynamic starts to grow and there's a lot of fun, funny moments there. We meet Javier, who's going to be a lighthearted element through most of this show. And so they needed to have a couple of those things to anchor us to so that the episode overall could be balanced between being heavy and being lighter. And I do, I like where they landed with it overall. It, they didn't try to make those moments happen between Ben and Felicity, I think, which was important because that wouldn't have rung true to me. But the fact that they gave us 
these other character storylines helped. Yeah. And glad you also brought up Elena because one of the things that I thought was very interesting was when she said something like, when a gun is pointed at a woman, it's a totally different thing. And she seems like she understands and maybe Ben should have been talking to her instead of Felicity. But I do think that there is a difference between what we see for the male characters and their trauma and what we see from the female characters when they're triggered. Elena says that this has happened to her before and she was pissed through her. That was her reaction. She went straight to anger. And it's kind of interesting because when you're younger, you don't have the ability to hold both anger and fear at the same time. It's something that is developed as you get older. And so when you're a kid, often instead of being scared, you end up being angry. And it continues to happen as, as you get older. And a lot of the time, I think we talked about women going to depression first, men going to anger. But, you know, Elena, she she goes straight to anger. And it reminded me of a story that my mom has told me several times. But when she was younger, she got mugged. And this guy, he tried to grab her purse and he only managed to break the strap. And then he ran away because she was holding it like a football. And she got pissed and just ran after him down an alley, which you would think is probably not the smartest thing to do. So she's chasing this guy down an alley, like holding onto her purse, and he's running away from her and jumps in this car with three other guys, at which point my mom stops and begins to think, maybe we let him go. Uh But that sort of immediate reaction to anger is something that I think is very interesting. And I think it might be easier for a guy to get over something like this in terms of feeling afraid, maybe not the shame part, but feeling afraid because even though we hear that size doesn't matter, it does. He's a big guy. He can protect himself in most ways. I mean, not when a gun's being pointed at him. But I think we see in some of the female characters that, I mean, Elena may go to anger, but she's she's also very tall. It makes me wonder, and I hope in the future episodes this doesn't happen, but I do wonder if Ben will end up having a temper. But I think this is really well illustrated actually by Julie, because she's triggered by having a kiss with Zach. Mm-hmm. And you see her do the exact same thing. And she is a very small woman. She pulls away. She uses the friend excuse. But she does go back to him. And it may be because he's not the most threatening character right now. He's awkward and nervous. He gives her his coat. He wears his grandfather's hat as his costume. Uh-huh. He, he specifically says he's not experienced. He seems very insecure a lot of the time. Yeah. So I think we see that between the two of them. They have a really interesting dynamic, a dynamic that makes me think there's so much more in their backstories that we don't know about that's leading to these moments. Zach looks 
in every way, incredibly unconfident in his process with Julie. I mean, they couldn't paint the picture of a man who looks more unconfident in any other way, as far as I'm concerned. Their first basically date, they they go out to see the exorcist and she has to lead him through asking her out step by step. He thinks he's asking her out and he just misses the part where he actually asks her out and she's just sitting there like pulling him in to try to make this thing happen. But she also has her boundaries in some very specific place due to her own life experiences and and due to her trying to figure out what this dynamic is. And so he doesn't know what to make of it all. He thinks he's getting some signals. Then he gets very clear other signals. And and I think his reaction to that seems to be he retreats into the film studio and she finds him there and, and they end up having their first kiss, which in that moment, they're both going in for, right? But it's interesting, Julie has boundaries somewhere through her own life experiences that she's taken with her to this point and the memories that she brings with her into this moment. And she's trying to figure out too, but she knows that she has some interest here. So this is an interesting one to watch. Yeah, I mean, we're introduced to him as the pink guy. So everything about him seems so nice and gentle and awkward, even though he kind of snaps at her sometimes. And I do think that comes from some deep place of insecurity. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to talk just a little bit about, so that exorcist venue, I just loved. I mean, mm-hmm. it just screamed college to me. Mm-hmm. It's like under some stairs and everyone's walking out of some random theater that isn't marked as a theater (laughs) and we're all discussing the movie together. So I love that. That's part of the whole Halloween theme that I loved. And I think some of the levity that comes throughout this episode, I also absolutely love Julie's costume as Catwoman. Mm -hmm. That was just a brilliant choice because it also emphasizes how small she is when Zach is going in for the kiss, which she doesn't seem opposed to at first, but then she freaks out mm-hmm. and she has to go and explain something to him. I also absolutely love this party where they're just having fun with the pink power ranger. Yes. I was just going to yes. say that for those right. who don't know, talk about it. Amy Jo Johnson was the pink power ranger. So there's proxy here happening. Uh, Ben kissing the pink Power Ranger was not meant to be a fact noted by Felicity in terms of, oh, that's Amy Jo Johnson. But it's something that we as an audience can appreciate what that might have meant. Somebody made that choice and it's significant. And also Sean tries to get to her first. Not first, not first, because oh, Ben's already in there. He yeah. tries to, to Bogart, the pink Power Ranger, yeah. slip right in there. Which I think is an, an interesting thing to see here in his first episode uh, when we look towards the future of the show. Sean yeah. <laughs> is not coming off as a great guy, and I remember liking him. I think he's a nice guy, but I, I don't know now. He, I um, think that he's a, a nice guy, but he's so rough. I like he just is a bull in a china shop is is how I think of Sean 
maybe for his entire run on this show. So it's interesting to see him be exactly that here. I mean, this is not the first time or the first episode where we're going to see him walk into a room and absolutely kill a mood, like massacre (laughs) the mood from every standpoint. He's commenting on their pumpkins. He's eating their Chinese food. (laughs) He's interrupting a moment. And there is a heaviness in the air. And then this man walks in. (laughs) He he is oblivious to the impact. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those things I think that makes you laugh. Oh, it does. He's great. I want to go back to that carving pumpkin scene, though. I thought that was such a great scene for a number of different reasons. One, I just have this personal connection to it. So Ben has regressed, right? And he is looking for the fun things that he did when he was a kid. And he's taken Felicity along on the ride to feel safe and, you know, doesn't want to talk about, doesn't want to think about what happened. And so it's Halloween, he's distracting himself, and so they're carving pumpkins. So when I was first living abroad in East Africa, it was a traumatic time. I was, quote, studying abroad, but I was actually working. And there were a few of us in this area that all were on in the same program and working around the same area. And it got to be Halloween. And so we're in this completely foreign place and some really disconcerting things have happened to us. And so what do we do? We go out and we find these little pumpkins and the three of us sit down in what I am very, very loosely going to call a hotel. Uh, It was more like a six room bunker Mm -hmm. uh, with a big open space in the middle where we could carve the pumpkins. And if I can find it, I have a picture of the three of us holding up our little pumpkins. So if I can find it, I will post that on Instagram and everyone can uh, can view the real life example of pulling into yourself and carving pumpkins with friends as a distraction from life. Okay, so this 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 was a scene from your very own life that they turned into it was. a Felicity episode. Yeah, and Ooh. in all fairness, I think the Felicity episode happened first, but I didn't remember it. <laughs> so. so they they happened independently of each other, but they are reminiscent. Yes, so you can yeah. tell how real this show gets. People do these kind of things. Yeah. But there's this moment when they are carving the pumpkins together, when Ben stares at Felicity, and he has a look on his face that looks an awful lot like the way Noel looks at Felicity. You think so already? I do. There's one moment, and he's looking at her, and you just see this kind of look on his face. That's the first time that I have seen him really look at her in a way that could lead to something romantic. There's so much in his eyes in this episode, right? And for Felicity, I do think that she's been shaken into her most natural state with Ben in some ways. And all the events that have led to this moment, I think that she's having, her conversations with him are are the most uninterrupted by her crush (laughs) that we've seen along, you know, to this point. And there are certain really heavy things that come across from them that I think 
you know, you can't stay at that. Oh, this is just a fun night with a guy that I've liked for a long time level. This is like really trying to figure out like, how deep do we need to go here? He says to her in that scene, I haven't felt that way in a long time. And you see her trying to figure out what does this mean? What do you mean by this? And then trying to figure out, do I, do I press you on this? And then she's like, oh, I'll try a new tactic. You know, I'll tell you how I felt in the moment and give you space to say how you, you see her grappling with, with all that in this scene. And for you to see that in his eyes is interesting to me because I don't know if I saw it or not, but I, I think he's looking at her in a new way. He needs her in a different way uh, right now than he ever has. And so all of that to me must be in his expression, but it's interesting that you're picking up on that first note of like, Ooh, this might be a romantic look. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things that point to it in the show. So he's, he's making plans with her during the day and not showing up. So he is pulling back and he is leading her on at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was before this, but now he's doing it. I think both as part of how he's coping, he's reaching out at night when he's scared, but he's also making plans because He's a little interested in seeing this. And then he invites her to the party and then he kisses the pink power ranger, Mm -hmm. you know? So he's going back and forth and back and forth, but he does in the end come to a point where he can apologize and explains what's happening. And he gives her this lovely present of the necklace, which is very thoughtful. And he says to her during that scene, It's hard for me to open up to people, especially people who make me nervous. And she says, I don't make you nervous. (laughs) She she definitively does say that. I I love the line read. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, Like these are my feelings. (laughs) Yep. Oh my goodness, I love it. Oh, I love the two of them. They're just funny. I also think that we see, you know, I don't know if what we see between Ben and Noel, you know, when Ben's looking for Felicity at the end and he comes to the dorm, he knocks on the door and Noel sees him and he's like, she's not here. And he's just making it kind of hard for Ben to get the information he needs. And Ben's like, do you know where she is? He's like, he obviously, Ben, Noel obviously knows where Felicity is and he's just making it a little harder for Benton to get to the conclusion that he needs. And, you know, it's one of those moments where I don't know if it's because Noel is just jealous of Ben anyway, or if it's because he feels that there's something shifting. And I almost think he feels that there's something shifting. Felicity has been keeping to herself more. She's had this late night walk and she's not confiding in him as much. And that's partly his own doing, right? He, you know, he in the last episode tells her, I have a girlfriend and I have all of that happen. But I do think he's sensing something. Well, and we also have to remember, she's just had this drunken conversation with him where she's crying her eyes out because of Ben. Mm -hmm. So I do think he feels protective Mm -hmm. and is trying to be a friend in that scene because he doesn't know what's going on with Ben. He doesn't know exactly why and what has happened between Ben and Felicity. I think Noel thinks he knows why Ben wants to see her, but he doesn't. Yeah. 
then is trying to come to a conclusion and apologize for how he's been acting. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't tell Noel that. And frankly, I don't think it's any of Noel's business. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, he does have to ask him where she is. Yeah. And so he's coming to this moment, the closest that I think we've seen them be when they're at Dean and DeLuca, uh, where he is talking about himself and, and how nervous he is. And there's a difference between when Ben is sort of scared and kind of going into himself and when he's nervous around Felicity. I think he's got two different things going on there. He has the past with his father, who's an alcoholic and he doesn't feel safe. He's got his sort of defense mechanisms for that. But he's also had all of the issues with his mom, where he's got some emotional pain. And this is where I think it's interesting to see the different dynamic. Just of someone who is a guy who's larger, that he's able to come to her and be more vulnerable. And yet he still has this sort of second area where he's nervous around her because I think he's worried she's going to hurt him emotionally. That moment of saying, especially someone I'm nervous about, it's not exactly a declaration of love, but it's a moment where he is indicating to her that he's interest, interested in her in some way. Or and that, that her she, opinion of him matters to him. Yeah. And she has some ability to hurt him in yeah. that. Yeah. And I honestly feel that Felicity doesn't understand that either. Mm-hmm. He wants her to be able to understand and accept him, but she is so infatuated in that moment with the necklace. At least that's what I was reading on her face. It's getting a present from him. It's very sweet. Like We're talking. She doesn't really understand what he's been through. And I don't know that she's fully accepted who he is. But I think the two of them are starting to get closer. And that is the scene where I see them moving forward in any type of relationship, whether it's going to be a closer friendship or something romantic down the line. Yeah. Well, you know, put a pin in that for next episode. (laughs) Spoiler alert, like you may revise where you're at. But again, I think this is a really important development for them. And it's so interesting that you're framing all of this from his standpoint, because I don't know if I've given as much thought to how Felicity impacts Ben's growth as I've given thought to Ben impacting Felicity's growth. But I think that you're right. I think that hearkening back to something I mentioned around the acting class and the way he talked about his mom and that, that line he said where he was saying, Oh, I've seen pictures of my parents when they were younger before they had me and they looked so happy. And I think what came across to me in the way he told that story in that scene was that there wasn't an honest conversation happening in the family, even with his mom about what the situation really was. There wasn't that level of honesty. They were all hiding things from each other, probably to protect themselves, maybe thinking they were trying to protect each other. And Felicity is way too honest to do that. You've called it verbal diarrhea. When she's saying something, if if you're important to her, she's probably going to, if she's thinking it, she's probably going to say it at some point. And he's really been learning how to deal with somebody who does that. 
and her opinion of him is becoming more important to him and he's going to get it. <laughs> you know, like, he's not going to withhold this from him. And I like that he draws a line with her, that he sets a boundary with her in that confrontational conversation that they have where, you know, she says, I don't judge everybody. I judge you. And he says, I cannot live up to that. Not everything has to have big meaning. He can't live up to this. Stop it. <laughs> Stop with the putting me on a pedestal. I'm a real human. And he, in that moment, you know, he's been having a whole uh, episode here where he needs to build a real relationship with Felicity on the back of this triggering experience that he's had. He needs to build this relationship. He can't have her idolizing him anymore. That's not where he's at with her. That's not where he wants to be at. So he's like, put it away. (laughs) You know, it's like maybe before he kind of was flattered by it or he was unknowingly stoking it, but he needs her to show up differently now starting this very moment. And so I think it's this push and pull of both of them trying to figure out how do I need to be with you? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an interesting journey that they're going on together. And I just don't see Felicity really being the right person for him at this point in time, even as a friend, as the right support. I think someone who has had a bit more experience similar to what he has been through. Mm -hmm. I think as he's working this out and he's talking to people, he should be surrounding himself with some people who have a better understanding. Yeah, he needs people with a shared experience or a similar language, you know, and you can even see the difference of those things as, you know, when we see the friends talking with each other, like, you know, Elena makes her comment that you mentioned around, you know, she'd been held up at gunpoint, but Noel jumps in with the stupidest thing to say, (laughs) where he's like, a homeless guy pushed me over once, ruined my birthday cake. (laughs) What? And the, the you know, like he's ever been to being mugged. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, this is not the only time he's going to say something ridiculous like this. And it was a serious moment where they were all unpacking their, you know, any experience they had, even similar to what Felicity might have gone through. And this is what Noel had. But I guess that's why I love Noel in this episode. Let's maybe let's talk about some of the funnier things. Because I think Noel and Elena together gave us a lot of that. Javier gave us a lot of that. But the Noel and Elena stuff, you know, I love how Elena shows up in the guy's bathroom dressed to the absolute nines and Noel's <laughs> naked from the waist up, <laughs> like at the mirror, you know, like doing personal hygiene things. And she has a whole conversation with him about how much she hates Halloween and he doesn't care because he's putting the posters on doors anyway or you know he i think he gave her like a picture of a witch which she took personally but he's like it's halloween lady <laughs> like what do you want from me and then he basically forcibly makes her go to the party by getting the subway costume the sun with <laughs> subway sandwich shop uniform they're gonna be co-workers <laughs> there was so much product placement in this episode oh but uh yeah it was so funny and then her meeting Blair we'll get to know Blair more so this is our first introduction of him and he's the tin man in this episode uh everything about it you know seeing her completely let loose with him on the dance floor and then I gave an award for best post or during hookup hair 
Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. What a time for those two. <laughs> well, and there is a moment where you can see Blair turns to the side. And not only is he the Tin Man, he's the Tin Man with like a giant gut. And <laughs> she's just rocking out in her subway outfit after she's been yelling at Noel for not showing up and sticking her with this stupid outfit. I'm really surprised she showed up, mm-hmm. but she did. Yeah. And I also, I love the moment when Felicity and Javier meet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, they great. are immediate friends immediate friends because Felicity's verbal diarrhea is Javier's <laughs> lifeblood. He, I mean, you immediately know he loves gossip. He wants to hear exactly what was going on with her. It has to do with a guy. Fantastic. And then he does immediately drop into some cliches. You know, he loves gossip. He's real bitchy. And so it is no surprise when he is talking to his mom about a guy. So we learn he's gay. And I won't say it completely goes under the radar, but he doesn't have to come out. He doesn't have to you know, say anything to her. I mean, he's just hiring her. Mm-hmm. I would say, why would he? But it seems like he's really into the gossip. So maybe he would. I think Felicity's just made a friend for life there. And I'm... I'm going to be interested to see how that relationship continues. Did you just say Felicity's verbal diarrhea is Javier's lifeblood? Yep. Yes, I did. <laughs> I just, for those who missed that the first time, I've been, I've been waiting like a minute to just make sure we all heard it fully. Okay. It's so upsetting. That <laughs> but okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think other than that disturbing metaphor, I, <laughs> I think that Javier is absolutely meant to be a character that we love, that we laugh with, that we maybe sometimes laugh at. And he is a force of levity on this show, which is important because it will deal with, you know, even this episode is a heavier episode. Many heavy things happen in this episode. And then we've got Javier on the phone with his mom like, his name is not that guy. It's Samuel. <laughs> and he says something about it being a biblical name. And even when Felicity is like, oh, I had a had a big night. And you just see his curiosity is fully peaked. He just, he's not yep. interested in looking at a resume and having a professional interview. He immediately is like, huh, uh, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wants to have that conversation right now. <laughs> And if she walks out and hasn't given him this information, that might be the thing that prevents her from getting hired because he just sees a friend instantly. And I don't know how they did this with this character, but he's judgmental in a lovable way. That's a hard line to walk. And he just immediately comes to his conclusions and then expresses it in a way that you love him for it. I think he's another one of those characters in this show that says what he thinks without beating around the bush. There are few people who are going to help us with that element because there are others who are going to talk more searchingly and who are trying to figure themselves out. And then you've got the Elena's and the Megan's and the Javier's who are like, this is what it is. (laughs) It's very helpful to keep the show moving forward. You need those people to help the rest of the people figure out what's going on in their life. So 
Glad we met Javier. Yeah, I wonder where Elena and Megan are from, because I do tend to think of this blunt honesty as a New York characteristic. We so will, I can see that from Javier. Meet, um, we will meet Elena's dad later on. I can't remember specifically where they're from, but I think they're a train ride away from her school. Megan, we will meet her parents. And I can't specifically remember where they are, but they are not the parents you think you're going to meet when you meet her parents. So stay tuned for that, because that's going to be a wild new element of Megan to reconcile with the person we've been seeing so far. I want to say Javier is actually from Spain. Yeah, but he's been in New York and he owns a business there. And so maybe it's not the New York type of honesty, but there are multiple characters who just, you know, say what they think. And that's just how it is. Yeah, it's going to be really helpful. And, and to be directly contrasted to this, the short scene that we have between Ben and Zach playing a video game. I think they were playing a video game where they try to have yes, a, a, it was a, an emotional conversation and they can't. It's it's impossible. Like they, they get out a few words each and then they just like go for a walk. <laughs> well, like, well, then you got this. So first of all, my question is, how do they even know each other? Because they're talking together at the party. So it seems like they're already friends or they know each other somehow. And then they're playing PlayStation together. And and I can understand how that gets real awkward real soon because clearly Zach would like to be Eskimo brothers with Ben and Ben doesn't want to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I would presume that... Zach has been hanging around Julie more and it's not like Ben never sees Julie. So I think they probably, I would assume that they aren't close friends and this might be the first time they've hung out together one-on-one, but that they have had now more shared acquaintance moments by seeing each other in the same place because of Julie. That's, that's where I'd have to go with it. I mean, I, I imagine that Zach being so interested in film is taking very specific classes, you know, like whatever his requirements are, he might be taking those, but then he's probably, you know, in the film studio all the time trying to get things done. So I have to think it's the relationship to Julie that they both have that's bringing them in connection with each other. Unless he met him in his acting class, which Zach isn't an actor. So can't imagine that's why. Well, it's uh, the relationship to Julie that is both bringing them together and then pushing them right away where Ben's like, gotta take a walk. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about this. Bye. Yeah. Out of his own apartment. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, I'm out of (laughs) here. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to have a deep conversation with Alyssa, not you. Uh (laughs) Well, he certainly doesn't want to talk about how Zach can get into Julie's pants. That's for sure. Yeah. What a moment. And I think that, you know, I have a note from an optimist to share around that. I do have one other note beyond that, too. But this seems like a good time to just point out, you know, we're seeing these characters grow. And I think part of what gets them there is these moments where they're truly listening to each other. And you see, even in this episode, that there are some genuine moments that can come out of just hearing what the other person is saying. And I see some characters trying to do it and trying to learn how to do it. But the moments that feel really important and really genuine, they come out of listening 
to what the other person said to you and then responding to it. And it's one of the reasons that I love the final scene so much with Ben giving an honest apology, still struggling with the things he's struggling with, but knowing that Felicity set a boundary and had a good reason to do it. And he set his own and they're going to move forward from this place. And it's a genuine moment that comes from really hearing what the other person said and respecting it enough try to take an action. I think that, you know, a lot of times we say people can't change. I think they can if they want to. It usually happens in, in smaller ways, step by step. But if you have a change you're trying to make, it usually comes from really sitting with it. And to have the confrontation that they had to hear each other and then to move forward. I think that's what anybody can do if they want to grow. So I liked that we saw it here. I believe that anybody can do it. And it's nice to see it modeled in this way. That's very nice. And I absolutely agree with you. I think people do change. And sometimes they change because of what happens to them. And sometimes they do it because of their own agency. And I think we see people change for from their own agency a lot less than we see them change because of something that has happened to them. Because you mm-hmm. don't really have as much control over that. So... I like that Ben is, as you said, modeling good behavior, good mental health, and Felicity is in her own way. But as I said before, I just don't see her being able to be the support he needs. He needs to find another source of support before he can move forward with Felicity because she's never going to be able, maybe not never, but right now, She is not able to give him what he needs for that part of his journey and his growth. Yeah, because she doesn't have the experience or the tools, nor does she have enough knowledge to know which tools she needs because he's only given her so much information. So it's not like if she wanted to study this and she had a ton to go on. So there's just, you're right. He needs somebody that he can be open with on all of this who can give him feedback that's going to be useful. The last note I had just generally is on that last scene, a couple things I wanted to say about that. First of all, the version that we watch, as I've said many times, everybody's probably hearing completely different music, (laughs) but I'll tell you what music we heard in that scene with Ben giving Felicity the necklace. There was a song by Peter Mulvey called Take This which over and over again, you hear, take this from me, which is, I think, a symbolic lyric in terms of take the apology, take the necklace. Uh, But it was also just really simple and really beautiful. And then the camera, you were focused on the two of them having a conversation in Dean and DeLuca, where she's now working. They're on her break, her 15-minute break. They're getting a lot done in 15 minutes. And then you see these two having this, this conversation. They're getting back on track as friends. And the camera pans back. It pulls back and you see them through the window and then you see the people walking in front of the window. And I just, I don't know. I really liked that. There was something about it that reminded me of the episode where Felicity said, we're all one snowflake. I was worried that there, you know, I was just one snowflake. And then I realized everybody is. And that kind of reminded me of that. Cause it's like, here are these two people having a really important moment for them and the world's still happening around them. And it doesn't make it any less important to them, but it puts it in context for me. They're part of this big organism that is New York. 
So I loved a lot of the choices that they make and how they had made and how they shot that part of the episode. I agree. I I also really like that. Not just from a you're part of New York, but it showed sort of the universal nature of mm. what they were talking about. It kind of pulled out from the scene and you see everybody else. And then at least for me, because I did I- identify with a lot of what happened in this episode, I thought this is something that anyone walking by could be having this same thought, could be going through something similar. You know, this is a universal thing that happens to us all. We all go through things and we all have to figure out how to deal with it. And we all really need to reach out and have connection to deal with it. I love the way you put that. That was brilliant. That's why they pay you the big bucks for this podcast. Oh, I thought it was for my uh, my lyrical word vomit into life's blood comment. That was a moment for all of us <laughs> to think about. What was that? That was that was really something. Oh, Felicity's yeah. verbal diarrhea is his <laughs> life blood. I, I'm going to be thinking about that one all night, probably tomorrow too. Yeah, um, I apologize. And then when we, whenever we edit this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I really don't know whether to apologize or to say uh, you're welcome. Apologize. I'll say this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to clear that up for you right away. Um, well, right. the other thing that you, that you, the other amazing thing that you add to this podcast is our What Sally Said, What Sally Meant segment. And I, for one, am dying to know what Sally meant in this episode. So you want to tackle that one? Sounds good. Yeah. Listeners, if you're just joining us for the first time, you might be confused about everything about our format, but I'll explain this one. Uh, so what Sally said is us repeating what verbatim Sally said in her tape to Felicity at the end of the episode, but Fish knows what she was really talking about. And so here's, here's what it was. She says, Dear Felicity, it's true what you said about soldiers. They do form a special bond. Well, what you went through was not war. And I'm so glad that you are still resilient enough to deal with it. But eventually the battle ends, and those who survive, they go home and try to make sense of it all. It's said that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. But that's bullshit. Trauma compounds for those of us that survive. Until a few days ago, I had planned not to tell Emmett about John's death. And not everyone does. And sometimes I think they're the lucky ones. It just seemed like too much for both of us. I pray this is the worst thing that ever happens to you. But if it's not, know that there are many of us survivors out here. We are all just trying to stay upright under a giant weight threatening to shatter us. Then I got your tape, and it reminded me that it's something I really need to do. Don't feel that you need to share before you're ready. But you do need to find people who understand what you've been through. I guess we all have our own war stories, but they're meant to be shared. They have to be. I admire you for sharing this with me. It means you're not trying to carry it alone. Keep sharing, especially when it's hard. If you don't, someday your weight may become too heavy 
and it will crush you. Because these stories, they're what bring us together and they keep us alive. Your friend Ben carries much more than you do right now. Be kind to him. He is more fragile than he seems. Whoa. Sally got deep this time. Sally got really deep. And Sally got the topic off of Felicity. She put Felicity in her place. But you can't say that sometimes. You know, you just have to think. Yeah. And this is one of those times. But I think it was, it was fair what you, what you added in there. So nice. Thank you for that. Well, I think this is a good time for us to rate the episode. And then I'll give you a moment to think through that on, on your end, because I, I guess this is where I need to be transparent. So first I will say that this time I am rating this episode in Subway Sandwich Shop uniforms because that felt appropriate <laughs> to me. Um, I just, I am enjoying picking a different thing each episode. That's what stuck out for me. Now here's the thing. I'm going to go there, Fish. Yeah. Folks, all right. So we talked a lot about being triggered. Uh-huh. Let's all be kind right now. Yeah. Melissa was triggered. I was triggered. Because I have a deep-seated phobia of vomit, and I have for a long time. It's called emetophobia. Since I was a little kid, I've had this. I haven't even puked since I was in, like, fifth or sixth grade. That's a long time to go without puking. And believe you me, I have had many experiences where I have been around it, where I've been near somebody who felt sick, who got sick. And let me be the one to tell you that TV and film way overuse this as a tool. (laughs) Like if you are really looking for it or really wanting to avoid it, the number of TV shows or films that have people who puke is ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. So I (laughs) am going to severely dock this episode (laughs) for points because folks, there's nothing else I can do to get my point across. Dear showrunners and directors, you don't need to show people getting sick for every little reason, whether it be feeling emotional, feeling scared, feeling like they survived something big, being drunk, being actually sick, experiencing a pandemic. We don't need all of this to result in vomit. So, guys, I've got nothing else that I can do to get to get my point across. If this is the only way I can make the showrunner feel it, this is how I'm going to do it. Oh, what? This was in 98. So we're talking well over 20 years after this came out. They're not listening to our podcast. But nonetheless, if this ever gets back to them, I want them to know that two and a half points of my ranking came off of this (laughs) because of the vomit. I'm going to give this one a six. And let me tell you, this would have been really well ranked if not for that. I thought it was a very effective episode that did a lot of good things. However, if you're somebody who feels that they can't watch the screen for the moment she says she's feeling sick at the party, you miss a lot of the episode. (laughs) You miss her conversation with Julie. You miss the kiss with Ben. You miss her running home. You miss the conversation with (laughs) Noel. You miss all of it, some of which was comedic, some of which was important to the plot. So I guess I also ranted here today, but I earned it through a life of a phobia. <laughs> so this is well a six deserved, well deserved, 
well-delivered rant. Thank you. Thank you. As you, you prefaced it by saying that I was triggered and you were right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Now, in slight, slight defense of the showrunners, uh-huh. uh, I will say this is college. And, um, you know, Melissa didn't stay out very late in For college. this reason. For exactly this reason. Had she stayed out very late or even a little later, she would know that much of college is, in fact, filled with fun. Sorry to tell you. But... Uh, well, I, despite how early I left the pre-parties, I still was aware of this, yes. <laughs> which yep. is why I left yep. and yep. still could smart. get away from it. I've, I've smart. seen my share of unfortunate moments, uh, yes. but not as many as I would have had I stayed. True. Very true. And I feel your docking is, um, is appropriate. Everyone has to react in their own way. And I appreciate you telling us about this, feeling comfortable sharing. If anyone out there is a listener also suffers from this or any other phobia, feel free to reach out because again, you want to share with people who have had similar experiences. Maybe you guys can have a little conversation there. I would sure be interested to hear from you, especially, well, under any circumstances, especially if you've somehow gotten over it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you would do that, really. But yeah, she's tried. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. So this also brought up one final thing that I want to say before my rating, mm-hmm. which is we do see Ben making out with the pink Power Ranger. Uh-huh. And I know that you did not feel the same way I did about the first kiss with Noel and Felicity. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a fantastic kiss. And I felt like... Ben did not seem like he was a great kisser. He was like sort of trying to taste her lipstick. It did not do it for me. So I just unfortunately had to watch that. Uh, I hope they will shoot it better if Felicity and, and Ben ever get together. Well, I'm at a little bit of a loss here because I don't love to watch this part of the episode in great detail, as I have explained. Uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because we know at any moment Felicity could be sick. But I would say from future kisses men will have, I think Ben's a good kisser from what I can tell, or he has good moments. Okay. Um, yeah. I wouldn't so. say this was, was the best introduction to it. But then again, maybe it was the Pink Power Rangers' fault. I don't know. Who's to say, really? It takes, it takes two, two to, to kiss. tango. <laughs> <laughs> and kiss. It takes two both to tango and kiss. Listeners, what else does it take two to do? You tell us. Don't answer that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my ratings, as always, are going to be in gloves. And I am very torn about this one because on the one hand, I also was very triggered by this episode and I came into it with such great expectations of you know, seeing the costumes and the parties and who doesn't love, you know, every modern family episode uh, that has Halloween in it. So I was taken aback. I still think they did a really good job with the show. It just wasn't the show I was expecting. If it had been a normal Halloween episode, it would have gotten a 10 out of 10 for me because I love them all. Mm -hmm. And I think this one... 
I'm just going to have to take it down to a 7.5 because I can't give it something higher when I, I I was caught so off guard and then had to deal with all of the emotions. I am not in an emotional state to give it a higher rating. Uh So clearly the two of us share something in common. And so, yeah, I will give it a a 7.5 out of 10 gloves. That's totally fair. And I I guess I should give you the warning that you're going to have a rough relationship with Halloween episodes on this show, I think. Uh, I don't know that they happen every year, but none of them are just straight up like, oh, we're going to a party and we're getting all fancy and that's it. <laughs> like, I feel like there's always something kind of heavy that happens in the Halloween. But episode. as heavy as getting mugged yeah. and then going into like your childhood trauma of feeling helpless and unloved by your alcoholic father and depressed mother. I'm thinking of a Halloween episode from senior year, which is very heavy. Yes. Yeah, that's not going to get a good rating from me either. Oh, I'm guessing. spoiler alert. Yep. I'm, okay. I'm guessing. Well, we'll see how it goes. They're not all fun and games, these Halloween. They do have fun and games episodes. Just not sure. It coincides with Halloween. Speaking of which, next time we are going to watch the episode Cheating which is interesting. Ooh. It's an interesting title for the episode. What could that mean? Hmm, what could it mean? Hmm. We're going to find out next week. But for those of you who have feedback or questions, or, I mean, we asked a lot of questions in our in what we talked about today, so I'm very curious to hear from any listeners who want to share feedback, or if you're an artist, if you have any Felicity fan art you want to share, you can reach us directly at themelissafish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Felicity Podcast. Also, for those of you who want to know when when these episodes are coming out, we send out a newsletter when they're available. So if you check out the show notes, you can find the, the link to sign up and then it'll be easier to know when they're available to you. So that's all the homework I had here, all the little housekeeping items to do. But Fish, are there any other things that you wanted to mention as we wrap up? Well, you know I can't go an episode without commenting on sweaters. So I will say one of the reasons that this episode didn't get a lower rating Mm. was that I think Felicity has really upped her sweater game. These sweaters are starting to get a little better. Unfortunately, at the same time, she has started wearing khaki pants, which are are not okay at all, ever. So yeah, it didn't quite even out because those early sweaters were really rough. But uh, if she can figure out how to wear a pair of jeans with those sweaters, she's she's starting to go in the, the right direction. Okay, well, we're just going to work on one part of her attire at a time when when I item mm-hmm. a clothing at a time and see if we can get to a, a reasonable place. Yes. I'm not sure she'll ha- I'm not sure if it'll happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the aesthetic of the show changed very much in their sophomore year, I think as a note from the network. So what you're seeing might be more of a freshman year thing than later, but I am noting that 
our resident cynic is not a fan of Felicity's fashion. <laughs> never has been, maybe never will be. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see. see. I am willing to change my opinion if she is willing to change her clothes. Uh-huh. Well, she's changing in other ways. So let's see if this, if this can be a thing for us. And I guess, you know, let's look for it in the next episode, which again is cheating. Looking forward to that one. And I guess that's pretty much all of it for now, Fish. So until next time, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.